Today's second scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Hear now the word of the Lord. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. So the story begins with Bartimaeus uh, shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd basically says to him, shut up. (laughs) I think our society and uh, this misperception of who churches are supposed to be, that we're supposed to be this uh, perfect people uh, that have our act together and have our lives totally in order, in order. Uh, I think the voice we hear from society tells us to be quiet um, in a similar way. But the reality is that every single one of us is dealing with something, aren't we? Think about what we have been through in these last 19 months. None of us have been through this before. A pandemic did not come with a church playbook as to how to be the church, how to be parents and grandparents, workers, teachers, students. And in the midst of these challenges has been a challenge for us to stay connected to not be able to see one another's faces, to not be able to just hold one another's hand of giving someone a hug, for us to be socially distanced, to know that we are glad that you are joining us, online worshipers. But boy, I wish I could see your face right now. I miss that. I grieve and many, maybe tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that lost their lives in hospitals and they had to be by themselves that they had loved ones they had a pastor that loved them but we couldn't get in it's been a struggle hasn't it and so we have been suffering alone and that's been the inconvenient truth and there remain voices in the crowd still that says Ryan don't talk about it Don't be a downer. Don't bring this up. But listen again to how Bartimaeus responded to those crowds that told him to shut up. What did he do? Says he cried out even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And so I am here to say to each and every one of you as loudly and as clearly as I possibly can, ask for help if you need it. Do you have someone within this congregation that you trust, that you have a bond or a friendship with? Turn to them when you're struggling. Do you know that our deacons have congregational clusters? That means small groups where each of our deacons has a particular group of people within this congregation that they look after, that they call, that they text, that they email, that they check on to make sure you're doing okay. If you don't know who your deacon is in your cluster, I would recommend reaching out to Chris Goodyear, who is our deacon elder this week, and ask him, who's my deacon that looks after my cluster? I hope you know that you have a pastor that cares about you, that wants to know if you are struggling, and that you can come to me, you can set up a time, and we can talk about whatever it is that you are going through. And how thankful we are that we have a new youth director. Another voice, another person with ears to be able to listen to what's going on in the life of our youth and our kids and our parents. We may not be blind like Bartimaeus, but we all need some form of physical, mental, emotional or spiritual healing in our lives. And I hope that this is a church where we can all turn to somebody and ask for help. And I look forward to the day when there is no longer a negative stigma towards anyone in their mental health issues. Now we could be a church that can help address this And so if someone is dealing with a mental health issue, then it's treated in the same regard as if someone that is dealing with a physical sickness. I finally hope that you know that God is listening, that God wants to know what you are going through, that he cares. We see this. Story after story, whether it's the disciples, whether it's the rich young ruler, whether it's a centurion, whether it's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Now here, Bartimaeus, every single time Jesus responds to their cries for help. God is there. Your pastor is here. Your deacons are here. Your Vanya is here and one another is here. If you need help, please ask for it. Now let me flip it in the other direction. What should we do if someone comes to you and asks for help? Well, let's learn from the life and teachings of Jesus. Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He is in Jericho. That means he's less than a week away from what we know as Passion Week. He's less than a week away from being betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten, and crucified. Of all the times 
that Jesus could have gone along with the crowd and say, yeah, now's not a good time. I am dealing with my own stuff right here. But what did he do? He stopped in his tracks and he called Bartimaeus forward. So the first thing that we can learn is if somebody asks you for help, do everything that you can to put all the stuff that you have going on on pause and give them your attention and listen to them and be present with them in their moment. Recognize that it probably took a lot for them to muster up the courage to be able to ask you for help. Jesus stopped in his tracks, set aside his own stuff, ignored the voices of the crowd, and called Bartimaeus over face to face, one on one. And so the next thing that Jesus did is he asked the same question that he asked James and John last week. What do you want me to do for you? He asked, and and when the man answered, he listened to what the man had to say. I've got a story from my time when I was a backpacker, 20 years old, backpacking around New Zealand and Australia. And I was a Native American religious studies major at UC Santa Barbara. I took a quarter off. And so as I was traveling around New Zealand and Australia, I was also studying the indigenous uh, people that lived there. And so here I was in Alice Springs, Australia, which is right in the middle of Australia. And I was at this uh, art gallery and the owner of the art gallery, she started telling me a story about a local nearby Aboriginal community. She told me the story about how the Australian government came in to this community and wanted to build houses for them. And so they spent millions and millions of dollars on really nice housing that had heating, air conditioning, indoor plumbing, windows, had nice uh, wooden shingles on the outside. It was nice. So they finished their project. They came back a couple years later and the windows were broken. The plumbing was ripped out. Uh, The place was an utter wreck, an absolute disaster. And the Australian officials were absolutely livid. They said, how could you? And as this is going on, people are literally ripping off the wooden shingles off the house and are burning it in the fire that they were outside the house and gathering around this fire. And they responded, you never asked us what we wanted. For 40,000 years, our descendants have lived here. And the wildlife and the land and the birds have provided. And we have lived peacefully as a hunter-gatherer people. And it's worked pretty well for the last 40,000 years. You assumed that your houses wanted to become all of a sudden our houses. And so they never took the time to ask 
What do you want me to do for you? And they never listened and they never respected and appreciated their people's way of life and their voice. And so when people come to you and they ask you for help, stop what you're doing, listen, and ask questions, and value their responses. As I was listening to the first scripture passage from Jeremiah, it's a story, it's a scripture passage about marginalized people. And I was thinking about the marginalized people in our own society today. Are we listening to what they are saying? Are we respecting their perspective and their point of view? Are we recognizing their pain and that their suffering is real? I think that would be a great starting point for us. Now, finally, what does Jesus do? He heals the man. He did something about it. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Too often, we just want to fix somebody's problem. When somebody who is coming to us for help, they might actually just want to be heard. They might want to have their struggle acknowledged. That might be exactly what they need to affirm that their pain and their struggle is real and to validate what they are going through without trying to fix it. And there are other times when people come to us from help and they ask us for a specific response. If somebody asks you for help and you are in a position to help and make a difference, please do it whenever you possibly can. What we're talking about this morning is what it means to be the church. If someone were to ask you, why do you go to church on Sundays? Why are you part of LBPC? What would you say? My guess is there's probably a lot of different reasons and a lot of different responses. My hope is that one response might be because it's a place where I know people care about me. Because it's a place where I know that if I need help, if I'm struggling, that I could turn to people and they'll be there for me. And because I am a part of this faith community, that people know that I am there for them. This is what Henry Nouwen in his book, The Wounded Healer, talks about as hospitality. Listen to what he says in his book about hospitality within the life of the church. When we become aware that we do not have to escape our pains, but that we can mobilize them into a common search for life, then those very pains are transformed from expressions of despair into signs of hope. Through this common search, hospitality becomes community. Hospitality becomes community as it creates a unity based upon the shared confession of our basic brokenness and upon a shared hope. This hope in turn leads us far beyond the boundaries of human togetherness 
to the one who calls all people away from the land of slavery and towards the land of freedom. A Christian community is therefore a healing community, not because wounds are cured and pains are alleviated, but because wounds and pains become openings or occasions for a new vision. Christ is calling this church to be a place where you are listened to, where you are valued, where you are free to share your burdens. And then this mutual sharing of burdens makes everyone's burdens lighter. A place where we don't have to put up a facade, where we don't have to say everything's fine and dandy in my life but where we can be real and authentic and honest with one another about what is going on and lift one another up. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. How about you? Amen.